Professor. This is Viewpoint with attorney and author Chuck Chrismeyer. Viewpoint is a one-hour talk show confronting the issues of America's heart and home. And now with today's edition of Viewpoint, here is Chuck Chrismeyer. Today is what they call Juneteenth. It's the day in which supposedly slaves receive their notification of freedom. The problem is that in America we are in a fast trot or race back into reprobation and bondage. Even as supposedly we're celebrating the notification of freedom. How could such a thing be? Well, it is. In fact, it is more than you could possibly. In viewpoint, we're going to see exactly what that looks like. In fact, Dr. Ben Carson a very virtuous man, revered for his humility, said he doesn't know how long this republic can last. He had an interview with Newsmax, and he expressed concern about the direction of the United States amid corruption and the unequal application of justice. He didn't go into all of the different aspects of reprobation in our country, but he said, when you see communist regimes, socialist regimes, What do they do? They shut down the discussion. Anybody who disagrees with them is either ridiculed or persecuted. And we see ourselves moving in that direction, and we need to be very careful. We're on the brink of turning into something else if we're not vigilant at this point. Something else. Something else than the republic. Which Benjamin Franklin said to the woman that asked him, coming out of the in Pennsylvania there, where they had just formed the Constitution, she said, what kind of government have you given us, sir? And he said, a republic, ma'am, if you can keep it. Today, the republic is being abandoned in a fast race toward reprobation. And we want to take a look at what that looks like here today on Viewpoint. I'm glad that you've joined us. It's conversation, as always, with ever-increasing conviction, talk that transforms. And today, again, will be no exception. No exception whatsoever. And you might be aware or not that a new ark is being built. Now, why would a new ark be built? You know, Noah's ark the ark that was to protect those that God wanted to protect for the flood, the flood that was to come upon the earth like no one had ever seen ever in history before that. As one wrote for the Western Journal, if the state of the world these last few years has left you feeling that the apocalypse looms, you might just not be alone. The U.S. Sun newspaper reported that Japanese developers called N-Ark, as in Noah's Ark, have plans to giant uh, to build a giant floating city that could house 40,000 people during a catastrophic global event. Judging by the name that they've adopted, these ambitious developers have found inspiration in the Old Testament story of the Great Flood, right there in Genesis chapter 6 through 9, And one wonders, however, whether perhaps they should be looking to the New Testament. In particular, maybe 
the book of Revelation, or maybe the book of Matthew, chapter 24, or maybe the book of Thessalonians. This article in the Western Journal says those who anticipate Jesus Christ's second coming are not alone. Belief in Christ's return has deep roots in Christian history. According to the Sun report, the new floating city would be resilient to an apocalypse. It would feature a range of buildings, including a sports stadium, along with an undersea data center and medical research facilities, and in the new city named Doggen City, D-O-G-E-N City, everything would float. Buildings would be relocated simply by sailing them from one place to another. NARC's development roadmap currently earmarks the year 2030 for completion, and designers see the city as a sea-based version of Elon Musk's SpaceX. Fascinating, isn't it? It's one thing, though, to marvel at human accomplishments. It's another thing to take excessive pride in them when we know that, well, there's a creator. He created the human race. His name is God, Jehovah, and a single flick of the divine hand could send a thousand comets hurtling toward Earth. And that thought should give pause to those who believe their creations will be resilient to an apocalypse. And on the subject of the end time, says the article, the doctrine of the second coming teaches us that we do not and cannot know when the world drama will end, for sure. The curtain may be rung down at any moment. And that's true, depending on how you define a moment. In a moment in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, the Apostle Paul wrote about Christians who would be whisked out of the planet before the wrath of God is poured out on the children of disobedience. Well, the problem with this article is, or at least with the Japanese that are seeing the building of this giant floating city, is that God said he would never again destroy the earth with a flood. So why are you trying to prevent trying to build a city to save people from a giant flood again? You see, they don't know what the Bible says, but they're operating in fear. Fear of that which is to come. And the problem, and the reason why they're operating in fear, is because they're not living by faith. When you don't live by faith, you will operate in fear. One way or the other, you will descend into fear. And fear will take on the form of torment. It really will. And so today, we want to take a look at what it is that's leading America down that kind of track. In fact, not just America, but the whole world, and especially the Western world. Running fast and furious away from righteousness and running with vigor toward reprobation. And what is reprobation? Well, uh, reprobation is, uh, we're going we're to take a look at a few things that uh, have tried to describe it. A depraved or unprincipled or wicked person, a depraved person, a reprobate, or it could be a person rejected by God because of all that wickedness, just as the people were in the day of Noah. Remember, Jesus said in the book of Luke that as it was in the days of Noah, 
so it will be just before the second coming of Jesus Christ. In other words, the world will be reprobate. The world will be reprobate and not able to be redeemed. So, just as God destroyed the world through a flood in that day, he will ultimately destroy the world with fire in the day of wrath to come. Now, what ark could possibly save you or anyone else or the entire world from fire devouring the world because of reprobation? Won't happen. Won't happen, friends. The Apostle Peter described just exactly what that was going to be like, and it wasn't a pretty picture. So why is it we're running headlong into reprobation, fleeing freedom, and running to reprobation? We'll look at that now. Once upon a time, children could pray and read their Bibles in school. Divorces were practically unknown, as was child abuse. In our once great America, virginity and chastity were popular virtues, and homosexuality was an abomination. So what happened in just one generation? Hi, I'm Chuck Chris Meyer, and I urge you to join me daily on Viewpoint, where we discuss the most challenging issues touching our hearts and homes. Could America's moral slide relate to the Fourth Commandment? Listen to Viewpoint on this radio station or anytime at saveus.org. Welcome back to Viewpoint. I'm Chuck Chris Meyer. Today we're taking a look at the rapid, rapid approach of America and the Western world and the rest of the world following the trajectory of America and the Western world to utter and total reprobation. What does it mean? What does it look like? How can we identify it? And what should we do? Those are the things that we need to talk about here today on Viewpoint and are going to do just that. So I want to direct your attention to something that happened in 1992. It was the headline of the 75th anniversary edition of America's premier business magazine, Forbes magazine. And here's what it said. A demoralized society. A demoralized society. Society. So what does a demoralized society look like? Well, the article was very illuminating, and in order for me to be able to speak with greater clarity, I have got to remove myself from the mic for about 20 seconds. Thank you for your patience. All right. So we're going to take a look at what Forbes magazine had to say. Remember, this was America's foremost business magazine, and they were celebrating their 75th anniversary. It was a magazine at least, if not more than a half an inch thick. And it contained articles from then renowned individuals, commentators, and so on, throughout the country. Among other things, here is what they said. Moral concepts, still moral moral judgments, are understood to be somehow undemocratic and unseemly. We pride ourselves on being liberated from such retrograde Victorian notions. 
Today, we have so completely rejected the Victorian ethos that we deliberately, systematically divorce morality from public policy. In the current climate of moral relativism and skepticism, it is thought improper to impose any moral conditions or requirements. We are now confronting the consequences of this policy of moral neutrality. We're discovering that the economic and social aspects of these problems are inseparable from the moral and psychological ones. In fact, they go on to say, and having made the most determined effort to devise remedies that are value-free, we find that these policies imperil the material as well as the moral well-being of their intended beneficiaries, and not only individuals, but of the whole society. We have, in effect, demoralized society itself. Remember, that was in 1992. One year later, one year later, Time Magazine, on its front cover, we've talked about this many, many times, featured a cross. In the lower right-hand corner, this is the front cover of Time Magazine, which was considered the premier uh, news magazine of the time, were these words, the generation that forgot God. Now, I want you to watch the trajectory of this. First of all, we find that nine months earlier, Forbes magazine said we've demoralized society. Then, nine months later, Time magazine says that the previous generation had forgotten God. So how did we end up with a demoralized society by 1992? America had forgotten God. In fact, we had not just forgotten God, we had been running away from him. Now what happens when you run away from God? You certainly don't get God's blessing. So what do you get? What are the consequences of running away from God and his standards, his word, his will, and his ways. We're going to take a look at what that looks like here today on Viewpoint in part of our program today as we look at the rapid abandonment of the republic and the rush to reprobation. The abandonment of the republic and the, and the rush toward reprobation and it all goes back to the issue of virtue virtue is not a four-letter word but it's been seen as a four-letter word in our society going back to 1992 when ford's magazine said hey we've just completely demoralized society we've completely separate separated all virtue all moral values from everything else that we're doing in the country and look at what's happening we have d moralized our society but it happened because we have defaulted on god's word will and ways concerning the matter of virtue we were not living virtuous lives and if you go back to our earliest founders you will find that virtue and morality were uh, considered the base or foundation of the country that genuine virtue and true morality don't change because they're rooted in the laws of nature and of nature's God. 
So it's interesting, the fellow Noah Webster, who was founder of American Education, actually, he said the moral principles and precepts contained in the scriptures ought to form the basis of all our civil constitutions and laws. All the miseries which men suffer from vice, crime, ambition, injustice, oppression, slavery, and war proceed from their despising or neglecting the precepts contained in the Bible. So, we can celebrate Juneteenth and the notification, the formal notification of freedom from slavery, while at the same time be running right back into the arms of bondage and slavery, which is exactly what we're doing. Remember, Noah Webster said, the moral principles and precepts contained in the scriptures ought to form the basis of our laws and constitutions and all the miseries which men suffer, like what? Vice, crime, ambition, injustice, oppression, slavery, and war proceed from their devising uh, despising, neglecting the principles con- or precepts contained in the Bible. Hmm. So what, again, does that really look like? So that's where we go from here. We're going to see what a depraved, unprincipled, or wicked person looks like. One who would be rejected by God unless they repented, which is not likely, because they have passed the point where they are willing, where their hearts are malleable enough to repent. In other words, they become so hard-hearted, so rejection of God, his word, and his ways, that neither they nor those that follow them would be willing to change, confess their sin, and turn from it, called repentance. They suppress the truth with wickedness, willfully rejecting God and everything he stands for, and have no limits or restrictions on their behavior. So, are you ready? Here we go. Top U.S. medical group denies care to abortion survivors. Now, understand this. The nation's foremost medical lobbying group has rejected a resolution saying that abortion survivors should be given proper medical care after a failed abortion. The American Medical Association held a meeting in Chicago during which Dr. Thomas Epps, who identifies as pro-choice, introduced a resolution calling for the highest standard of neonatal care for an abortion survivor if they're born alive after an attempted abortion and after uh, 22 weeks. But the resolution was roundly rejected in a vote 476 to 106. In other words, three quarters, more than three quarters of all present voted against medical care for a child who survives abortion. Do you understand what this is? Do you understand what this says? This says that the Hippocratic Oath has now become the hypocritical oath. And in support of the killing of babies, the medical 
the chief medical association in the country, the AMA, will not support care for a child who happens to escape miraculously an abortion. Can you understand how hard-hearted that, uh, that group of doctors has to be? They've completely abandoned their, their purpose as doctors. They've completely abandoned health care, and now all they're doing is supporting a political agenda. This is medical reprobation, friends. Medical reprobation. Utter and total wickedness and embracing death over life in radical demonstration against the God of creation. That's what it is, in simple terms. A gender studies professor defends a zero grade for a student's use of the term biological women. A gender studies professor defended her decision to give a student a failing grade on an assignment because that student used the term biological women claiming that the phrase, the the professor claims that that phrase perpetuates systemic harm. So Olivia Krolzik, a student at the University of Cincinnati, who made a viral video discussing how her unnamed professor had awarded her a zero on an assignment in which she had argued that biological men or transgender women have an unfair advantage over biological women when they compete on the same sports team. But the professor, Melanie Rose Nipper, admitted that she awarded Krozak a zero for the use of the term biological women, said that the right to free speech and debate ends when you are intentionally or unintentionally participating in a systemic harm of some kind. She said this is unacceptable based on the community and the foundations of our course. In other words, her course is reprobate. Her course is defined in reprobation. It's not defined in science. It's not defined in truth. It's defined in reprobation. In other words, in a blatant ignoring of truth with regard to life, life's issues, creation, God, every aspect of life, this course and its professor has roundly opposed with fist shaken such that she's going to prove her point by giving a student a zero just because the student used the term biological women. That's reprobation, friends. That's a reprobate mind. And that spirit is growing everywhere. It's quite shocking how broadly it is growing. It's growing in places that you would never expect. For instance, when I grew up, I used to eat Kellogg's cereal. Mm -hmm. I used to eat Kellogg's cereal. Maybe you do too, or have. And the recent blowback against Bud Light and Target for getting cozy with radical transgender activists, you would think, 
would have persuaded major corporations not to go there. But apparently Kellogg never got the memo. Maybe it will now, because Kellogg's wants children to understand that transgenderism is a family-friendly ideology. Why else would they feature Tony the Tiger, Mr. Frosted Flakes, hammering it up with Dylan uh, Mulvaney, the same trans activist that got Bud Light into trouble? There's nothing normal about the trans agenda. It's built on a lie, one that denies the fundamental biological differences between males and females. However, those who have elected transition are fraught with the long-term psychological and physical problems. So why would Kellogg want to push this agenda on kids? But they are. So Kellogg, along with uh, uh, Bud Light, Target, and so many others, are involved in corporate reprobation. Openly, notoriously. It's unbelievable, friends. We'll be right back. There is so much more about Chuck Chris Meyer and Save America Ministries on our website, saveus.org. For example, under the marriage section, God has marriage on his mind. Chuck has some great resources to strengthen your marriage. First off, a fact sheet on the state of the marital union, a fact sheet on the state of ministry, marriage, and morals. SaveUS.org. Marriage, divorce, and remarriage. What does the Bible really teach about this? Find all of this at SaveUS.org. Also, a letter to pastors, the Hosea Project, saveus.org, and many more resources to strengthen your marriage. It's all on Chuck's website, saveus.org. Again, you can listen to Chuck's Viewpoint broadcast live and archive. Save America Ministries website at saveus.org. The only way to reverse reprobation is to repent. To repent, you must confess that your heart, your mind, your thinking, your decisions, your words, your direction, all of it was in error and was not just in error, but was an assault and an affront to the God who made and preserved us a nation, to the God of creation. If you do not do that, you will remain a reprobate. In fact, you will go ever deeper into reprobation. And it's not re- you can't recover from reprobation without massive repentance. And that's why it's so dangerous. You see, to allow yourself to go into reprobation is to steal yourself against the Holy Spirit. It's a rejection of the Holy Spirit and the word and the will and the ways of God as creator, and to redefine truth, redefine life, redefine all that matters according to some other value system that you yourself create. So reprobation actually leads you to become, in effect, God. You become, in effect, God the one who rules, the one who determines all that is right, all that is righteous or unrighteous, and you reverse the definitions. 
you reverse God's definitions to your own definitions. And that's exactly what Satan did in the beginning. He has not changed his modus operandi. The same modus operandi he used with Eve in the garden, asking the question, hath God said? And the answer will always determine your trajectory, whether to go into reprobation or not. So let me ask you a question. Let's suppose that you uh, become attracted. uh, Let's say you're a, a woman and you become attracted to a guy but you're married. You're married and you have some kids or not, uh, but you become attracted to some other person other than your husband. Now, there's nothing particularly abnormal about that because uh, that is one of the characteristics of the sin nature. But if you give in to it, you have set the pattern, you have set the stage on a path to reprobation. Now, let's suppose that you and the gentleman that you've decided to uh, co-consort with, who happens also to be married, but you guys decide that somehow you're going to unmarry your current spouses and you're going to remarry yourselves. Contrary to what the Bible says, the Bible actually says as you know, that what God has joined together, man must not put asunder. In other words, when you marry, you are married for life. Till death do us part. That's the truth. But what you're deciding is, that's not true. I'm not going to agree with that. So when you decide, I'm not going to agree with that because I want this, you are heading, you are making a decision to head into reprobation. Now let's suppose that you guys decide to go to a church. And you're going to go to a church, uh, even a so-called evangelical church, that has a reputation for preaching the gospel. But you don't hear from that church any messages concerning God's position with regard to marriage, divorce, and remarriage. Now, the pastors of that church and their leaders are now co-participants with you in the path to reprobation because they, with a desire to grow their church and not offend other people and to assimilate the broadest number of people into their congregation, have decided not to speak about things that they think others will disagree with. So they would choose rather to agree with those that are coming in who are entering into reprobation than they would to agree with God. And so they themselves, the pastors themselves, become co-participants in the spirit of reprobation. That's what's happening. So there's no place then for someone such as that couple now who is heading into a very dangerous zone from which there will be very little opportunity for them to escape because they will dig themselves in so deeply that they will not be able to escape. There's no message coming in that church 
where the Holy Spirit can quicken their minds and their hearts and bring them to a place of repentance, to bring conviction into their heart, to their soul. And so they will continue on rationalizing that since there's no message against it, therefore it must be okay. Because they find many other people in that same congregation in the same position that they're in with no conviction and no discipline. Do you see now how the church since the 1960s has become radically complicit with advancing the spirit of reprobation in our country while decrying the breakdown of the family. It's monstrous hypocrisy. It's no different than those medical doctors with the American Medical Association who three to one, four to one, five to one, voted against providing medical care to a child who happened to escape the effort to abort. It's the same thing. The doctors became complicit in the murder of that baby, in the abortion of that baby. If they didn't succeed before the abortion, they're going to succeed afterward. They're going to accomplish their agenda no matter what. The same is true now with regard to the marriage, divorce, and remarriage issue. And that set the stage for the homosexual issue. Before that, the homosexual issue could never have gained traction in this country. Ever. It would have to have remained under the covers and be outside the norm of society. The same is true with regard to the transgender issue, which came on the heels of the homosexual issue. And then, of course, you have bestiality, you have uh, all of these other kinds of things, pederasty, all of these other things that are echoing now in the consequence of the growing reprobation of the society, thus undermining, as Dr. Ben Carson said, the republic itself. You say, well, how could that undermine the republic itself? Well, it does, because our founders virtually to a man, said that virtue was the foundation of the republic. That without virtue, the republic would disintegrate. It's like Alexis de Tocqueville said, America's great because America's good, but if America ever ceases to be good, America will cease to be great. So, the question lurking over all of this conversation here today is, if America's future depends on your example of virtue and morality based upon God's standards, not yours, not other cultures, what is America's future? Now, just to show you how this has taken traction I want to take you back to uh, Newsweek magazine back in 1992. They had an article called The Politics of Virtue. There was a nationwide poll 
by the Los Angeles Times that revealed that 78% of Americans were fed up with America's moral decline. That was back in 1992-93. But the shocking reality was that only 11% of those people believed that their own behavior had contributed to our nation's moral problems. And 96% of the people believed that they were doing an excellent job teaching their children about morals and values. Do you know, friends, that the same would be true of our pastors today? They think they're doing an excellent job in teaching their people about morals and values. Problem is, they've changed the morals and values from those of God's morals and values to those of the world's. They have redefined the standards. They've moved the goalposts and, in effect, have declared themselves surrogate gods. Do you realize how dangerous this is? You think that it was a funny thing, maybe, for that uh, Japanese company to want to build a floating ark for these modern times to save 40,000 people from an apocalypse? Friends, you cannot save people with a reprobate mind from apocalypse. You can't save them from the destruction that will come upon them because God is going to reveal his serious displeasure It's called pouring out his wrath on the children of disobedience. Who are the children of disobedience? They are those who diss what God says. They are those who diss God's viewpoint. That's why we say viewpoint determines destiny. You cannot diss God's viewpoint and not become reprobate to some degree. And the more you diss his viewpoint and live in it, the more reprobate you become. So Christians now are becoming fast-tracking toward the same reprobation and spirit of reprobation that we see in the culture as a whole. It's it's painful. Can, Can you see that? Can you see how painful this is? Now, maybe you've been caught up in it. It's very possible, very easy over the past 50, 60 years. Maybe it's time to repent. We'll be back. Have you ever considered what the early church was like? Many people are developing a heart longing for a greater fulfillment in our practices as Christians. A recent study showed 53,000 people a week are leaving the back door of America's churches in frustration. What is going on? Why has there not been even a 1% gain among followers of Christ in the last 25 years? Could it be that God is seeking to restore first century Christianity for the 21st century? Jesus said, I'll build my church. Is Christ by his spirit stirring to prepare the church for the 21st century? The early church prayed together and broke bread from house to house. They were family, and it was said by all who observed, behold how they love one another. Incredible. But the same can be found right now. Go to saveus.org and click Sell Church. We can revive first century Christianity for the 21st century. It's about people, not programs. It's about a body, not a building. That's saveus.org. Click Sell Church.
reprobation is destroying the republic. As Benjamin Franklin said, a republic, ma'am, if you can keep it. As we launched the program today, we heard from Dr. Ben Carson, who just in the last few days made the declaration that he felt the republic was in great danger. He's right. He didn't even get as specific as he should have because he's so nice. But the reality is the republic is in a fast track to reprobation. And unfortunately, the church has jumped on the bandwagon, cheering the way, helping to make it easy to be easier to become a reprobate and think good of yourself. Turning reprobation into righteousness. It's despicable. Now, I have an article in front of me, uh, and you might wonder why would I bring this up in the context of what has just been in the process of being said. But follow it for a moment. The title is called Despicable. Student reprimanded for questioning classmate identifying as a cat. A 13-year-old student girl and her friend were called despicable last Friday after questioning a fellow student's identification as a cat. The young girl asked her fellow student, how can you identify as a cat when you're a girl? Which resulted in her being reprimanded by her teacher. The teacher told the young students they would not be allowed back at the school and would be reported to senior leadership if they continued to question their fellow students' identification. A recording of the heated exchange was taken by some pupils involved in the incident, and the recordings detailed the exchange in which students can be heard questioning the validity of their fellow students' identification. If they want to identify as a cat or something, they they can... They are genuinely unwell, crazy, said one of the students. The teacher then asked the two girls, where did you get this idea that there are only two genders? The teacher then added, gender is not linked to the parts that you were born with. Gender is about how you identify. The girls responded to this saying they don't agree, and that if you're a boy, you have a penis, and if you're a girl, you have a vagina. She said, the teacher said, you're talking about the fact that cisgender is the norm, that you identify with the sexual organ you were born with. And that's basically what you're saying, which she said is really despicable. Then the teacher said that the girls were homophobic. Now you can imagine how the parents responded to this. And you might think, yeah, how crazy is that? Identifying as a cat. Please listen now. Anchor your seatbelt. Put on your shoulder harness. How can you claim to be a Christian? How can you identify as a Christian when you're acting like a pagan? How can you identify as a follower of Christ when you reject what Christ said? Again, to use the illustration, Jesus said, whoever divorces their spouse causes them to commit adultery, and whoever marries the one so divorced commits adultery. So what do you say, my friend? 
Do you identify as a cat or a Christian? If you agree with what Jesus said, you identify as a Christian. If you disagree in whole or in part with what Jesus said, you identify as a cat while claiming to be a Christian. You get the problem. Unfortunately, we've got millions and millions of people identifying as a Christian who are not walking with Christ at all. They may go into a church, but you can walk into a garage and not become a car and not be a car. Our problem is that we are living in a fool's paradise of false thinking and have come to the place where we're justifying that which God says he hates. God says he hates putting away. He hates divorce. The Apostle Paul repeated the theme and he said, a a woman is bound to her husband as long as he lives. But if he be dead... And only if he be dead, then is she free to remarry, and then only in the Lord. The same would be true for a man being bound to his wife. In fact, the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 7 makes it very, very clear. Very, very clear. He said, if you're bound to a wife, don't seek to be separated. But if indeed you separate... You stay that way or be reconciled. There is no room for remarriage. Why? Because God has said that marriage is so critically important from his viewpoint, from the standpoint of creation, from the standpoint of salvation, from the standpoint of the kingdom of God, from the standpoint of God as creator, that if you disagree with that, you disagree fundamentally with him. And the Apostle Paul said, don't be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor adulterers are going to inherit the kingdom of God. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. So what do you say? You say, well, why are you you focusing on this issue of divorce so much? Because, friend, that's the number one issue facing the church. The number one issue. And our failure on that issue has led to the rush to reprobation in our whole society with the homosexual agenda, the transgender agenda. All of it flowed from the church rejecting the word, the will, and the ways of God with regard to marriage, divorce, and remarriage in the 1970s and 1980s. I watched it happen from coast to coast. Remember, I was an attorney practicing law as a Christian lawyer in Southern California in the largest family law court in the nation. And 80% of my clients came from the broader body of Christ. I watched it happen. I watched it happen with their pastors, capitulating one after the other after the other in order to play nice with the people to pander to the culture so as not to offend the people. They would rather not offend the people than they would not offend God. And now they have offended both the people and God. It may sound like I'm speaking with strength here, but friends, I have tears 
that are welling up in my eyes right now and in my throat. We're not identify we're not identifying as Christians anymore. We're we're cats. Pagans. We're pretenders. It's not what you choose to identify as, friends. It's who you are. It's who we are. Even the judges are involved. School sends student home for only two genders shirt, and the judge now rules. In Massachusetts, an Obama-appointed federal judge ruled Friday that a public school was likely within its rights when it sent a 7th grade student home for wearing a t-shirt with the message there are only two genders. The judge suggested that the phrase would intrude on the rights of others and so the school could send the guy home. He's the one that told the truth with his shirt. But the judge sided with the district and the school for a reprobate mind. Talk about perverting justice. But that's what's happening. Now a university, a law student at Duke University which was a Methodist school speaking out after school administration sent a campus-wide email to all students criticizing North Carolina Senate Bill 20, which would protect pre-born children from abortion after 12 weeks gestation. So, Duke University, May 17th, they emailed the students, stating that Duke was concerned about the law banning elective abortion in North Carolina after 12 weeks. So the school says, we're going to do everything we can to make it possible for you to get your abortions. We want to promote those abortions. So Duke University, as an expression of the current state of Methodism, is pushing abortion. The killing of babies. So what are they identifying as? Duke is identifying as a reprobate, a reprobate university. Isn't it? This is what's happening individually and corporately in our churches, in our corporations, in our courts, and in the White House. We are becoming... Rapid reprobates, a rush to reprobation. Now, I want to make available to you a book that will help you to reset your own mind and heart concerning many, many different issues. And it doesn't speak all about the divorce issue. It doesn't speak about all of that. It's talking about how to really reset our souls, to renew our souls in this country in the hope of protecting and preserving the republic, renewing the soul of America. That's the book.
38 national Christian leaders endorsed this book because they saw in this book something that no other book in our generation has done. It actually provided real answers. It actually didn't just point the finger at whatever out there. No. It's a completely different kind of book. A book about you and about me and about what you and I can be to change the trajectory of reprobation. It does no good to be screaming and hollering and wringing our hands. We have to do something. We have to be what we do. We first have to be. That's the message of the Bible. From the beginning to the end. Be ye doers of the word and not just hearers. Deceiving your own selves. It's an $18 book, yours for $15. On our website, saveus.org, renewing the soul of America. You're going to be thrilled as you read the over 500 quotations. It's going to be very encouraging and uplifting to you. Giving you a message of hope amid all of the spirit of reprobation. It's on our website, saveus.org, renewing the soul of America. Or you can call us at 1-800-SAVE-USA. That's 1-800-SAVE-USA. Or write to us at Save America Ministries, P.O. Box 70879, Richmond, Virginia, 23255. Writing a check at $5 for postage and handling. We're in very trying times. And unfortunately, friends, I had to leave about 10 articles untouched that would reveal even the more so this move, this radical move toward reprobation, including Fox News. It's unbelievable. Fox News now pushing the radical LGBT pride agenda on its employees. It's unbelievable. The rush to reprobation. A republic is in danger. Thanks for joining us. Become a partner. Send your gifts, friends, to Save America Ministries. Do it today. We're preparing the way of the Lord for history's final hour. Yes, even today. God bless. Be a blessing. Maybe we need to start on our knees. What do you think? You've been listening to Viewpoint with Chuck Grissmeyer. Viewpoint is supported by the faithful gifts of our listeners. Let me urge you to become a partner with Chuck as a voice to the church declaring vision for the nation. Join us again next time on Viewpoint as we confront the issues of America's heart and home.